Hi there, and thanks for tuning in to the Four-Eyed Radio Network. You're about to listen to another proud presentation brought to you by Revenge Lover Designs. Stand out from the crowd. For more information, visit revengelover.com and mention the podcast for 10% off of your order. Wallop and web snappers. My spider sense is tingling. Tingling. Anybody else's spider sense tingling? Welcome to Walloping Web Snappers, a Spider-Man podcast where we dive into every Spider-Man cartoon ever made. I'm Doug. And I'm Derek. And is your spider sense tingling? Podcast act! Record! <laughs> to listen to this show, find us on 4 and wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is brought to you by Revenge Lover Designs, illustration and design that fit your personality. For samples and inquiries, visit revengelover.com. And a bit of word snappers business um, from uh, episode 96. Uh, when we talked about Quest of the Red Skull, we had some some words that actually were in there. <laughs> Yeah. Despite the content of that episode, we did manage to fit some word snappers in there. <laughs> right, at the, right at the tail end. Yeah. <laughs> and, it, and it worked out perfectly because the words uh, submitted by Bo Harper were hashtag release spectacular Spider-Man cut, which is perfect because we were preparing to revisit a spectacular Spider-Man episode. <laughs> yeah, that timing was just amazing. <laughs> just yeah. love, love that. Because that made yeah. that very easy. Because that would have been hard to work in otherwise, I think. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. No, that was perfect. That was a good call on your part. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, this is week three in a row now of covering three different shows. Two weeks ago, we were finishing up Amazing Friends. Last week, we revisited Spectacular. And this week, we are covering Marvel Future Avengers. Heck yeah! You know what's funny about this show, right off the bat, uh, other than like the many many things, uh, is that <laughs> if you watch like all the way to the end of the episode, like past the credits, you know Disney Plus is going to make you just go to the next episode. Mm-hmm. But if you watch all the way to the end credits, there's like a next time on little segment, yeah. and there's a narrator, and the narrator calls it Marvels, like apostrophe S Future <laughs> Avengers. Nothing else calls yeah. it that, even though that name does make more sense. It, I agree with that narrator that that name makes more sense than way Marvel's possessive future Avengers literally nowhere, nowhere else calls it that. It's just called Marvel Future Avengers everywhere. So. Well, this is one of Marvel's anime series that isn't like specifically a mini series or like an artsy anime series. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so based on what we learned from Disc Wars... Uh, I'm not surprised that the dub is not uh, perfect <laughs> in its consistency. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It has yeah. some subtitle issues, too. <laughs> no, it does. I mean, at the very least, like, the fact that their dub is available <laughs> at that all. That is already a big plus. <laughs> already a big plus. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's fun. This is definitely going to be kind of like the sequel episode to our Marvel Disc Wars episodes, because this mean this it's all kind of interlinked. Like this was the next anime Marvel anime production that came out after that, and there's a bunch of connections with it. But it's like it is so funny because I think there's inevitably going to be some comparisons to that one since it immediately preceded it. But also like 
just the simple fact of like the way that this has been treated and the way that Marvel Disc Wars was treated in the US as in Marvel Disc Wars just like does never existed in the US and this show is like very easily available and accessible mm-hmm. it's uh, very yeah. very interesting can maybe see why just given that this is like a lot much more of like just a normal Avengers show like if you were to think up an Avengers anime I think this is much closer than what you would expect to get uh, compared yeah. to Marvel Discourse, you know, so maybe that's why. Yeah, that's that's probably very true. I just I just want Discourse. <laughs> I do. I like I know, I like Discourse a lot. And even I did like find copies of the of the dub for the whole show mm-hmm. uh to you know download illegally because that's the only way that you can get it but it's not good quality it's just like somebody taped it off a tv like it's it's real you know Beautiful. it's like the lowest quality you can get so it, but so it's like i don't know you did all the work for it and it did yeah. air in other in other countries just like put it on disney plus it's not gonna hurt anybody just do it'll it. be a weird artifact that people enjoy you know if we can get legacy star wars things like ewoks and all that stuff like we can get disc wars <laughs> exactly, exactly come on disney plus come on come on i know i know <laughs> but yeah i guess we are we aren't talking about disc wars this time we're talking about future avengers which is even though it has some connections it is a very different show i think yeah. than uh, the marvel disc wars in many 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 ways so, uh, like we said, this is available on Disney Plus if you want to watch along with us. Um, but if you're curious about like where the show came from, there isn't really a super storied history behind it or anything. I really think, based on what I've been able to find and read about it, it pretty much is just like the Marvel animes are successful in East Asian countries. Like, so they're going to just keep that train moving, right? They want to keep the Mar- Marvel Japan partnership open. So I don't think that there is anything super crazy or interesting or, or creative with the creation of this it was just like let's do another marvel anime show yeah. another avengers show right so I, I think because this is coming so soon after marvel disc wars ended uh, like relatively a couple of years in between i guess um there, there are there is some carryover in the creative team from that show so uh, marvel did bring king ryu who we talked about when we talked about disc wars uh unforgettable name just best name <laughs> in the world he was a lead writer on Disc Wars, brought him over uh, as the lead writer for Marvel Future Avengers as well. But while Disc Wars was made by Toei, this show is being produced by Madhouse, who did produce like the other Marvel anime shows and films that came even before Disc Wars, like Iron Man, X-Men, Blade, and Wolverine. So if you see those, those are made by Madhouse. And if that name like rings a bell with you, it's because that's the studio that also did like One Punch Man and Death Note. So not a not a nobody studio. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And I think you can even see a little bit of um, not that it's like all the same people or anything, but I feel like in the way that the Marvel Disc Wars does definitely resemble the sort of a lot style of many Toei shows. This definitely resembles more the style of like madhouse shows that you might see like there's definitely some death note kind of similarities here in the broad general sense i think so just creative team since you know we're not going to be able to do a full dive of this show because there's literally only this one arc this one three episode arc that we're going to cover that has spider-man in it doesn't seem like he appears in anywhere else in the show so we're not going to talk about this not going to have many opportunities to talk about the show a lot so just generally um yuzo sato uh is the series director director of various marvel anime including the iron man one um and also worked in various capacities on claymore death note attack on titan and more 
And uh, Takahiro Umehara was brought on for the character designs. Uh, he worked on various Marvel anime as well, also on Claymore. Uh, additionally, worked on Beyblade and Dragon Ball Z, too. So lots of heavy hitters working on this show, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Um, and just as a fun fact, the Disc Wars connections continue, because in, in, ja- in Japan, the Disc Wars voice cast reprised their roles in this show. And why not? Yeah, why not? Why not? <laughs> It, I mean, it, it makes sense, you know, it, I feel like there are plenty of universes where I can see there just being a third Avengers anime series that just mm-hmm. takes this to a place where it's just like the Avengers anime franchise. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like many other shows, like a Digimon or something. Right. And I think, you know, it's it's interesting because they kind of, they, they keep the same Avengers, like a core cast of, mm-hmm. of like the main five from Marvel Discourse too, which is interesting because it's like. With having the sort of like five man band of of Iron Man, Thor, uh, uh, Hulk, Captain America, and Wasp as as like the one female of the group, which I think we've noted was like sort of an interesting mix of characters in Marvel Disc Wars. But it's like if that's just sort of your mainstay core group of Avengers, yeah, that's the five that you could just carry over show to show. And even if the continuity isn't the same, it sort of like ties them together enough for any kids watching to sort of feel like it's all part of the same. I don't know, universe or conglomerate or whatever. The Avengers are sort of like the monsters in the Digimon analogy. And the kids are the Digidestined. You know, like it it makes sense. It would, you know, there's a character continuity and a familiarity there uh, that I think makes sense. Yeah. Do we want to talk about just like what this show is generally about since we're jumping into episode 11 here (laughs) to catch people up if they can watch. Because the plot is, I think, really interesting, or at least the setup for the show is. Yeah, let's do things sort of out of order. I think we should – let's do a general general overview-ish of, like, what this show is about. Then I'll talk about some of the cast. Then we'll talk about this episode. And then I'll talk about some cast specific to this episode just to break up – what is a massive cast reading here? Yeah, that sounds good. <laughs> There's a lot of cast members. It's a new show and it's an ensemble cast. So <laughs> it's a lot. You could also split them up over the next couple of episodes if you wanted to. And I think two of the Avengers don't even appear in these episodes either, to be fair. So. Yeah. Maybe I'll skip them. Maybe I'll yeah. skip them. I could skip I'll... three characters I wrote down for this one. I'll leave that to your discretion. <laughs> Nobody will be upset about that, especially if these are the only three episodes of the show they ever yeah. watch. Eh, um, I think it's interesting just because there's some carryover. So yeah, sure. Well, I I would love for you to give sort of the initial general overview because you yeah. had a specific con- like contextual reference that you had made <laughs> on Twitter that I think is fun. I did. So the plot, the the, the setup for the show, um, not so much like the plot of the entire show, but the setup that jump starts everything in the first couple of episodes is that it's basically the same plot as the beginning of Alias. <laughs> <laughs> It is, which Alias, uh, you know, it it goes a a lot of places as the show goes along, but the core, you know, original story of it, the thing that that jumpstarts the entire show is someone who thinks they're working for a, a black ops part of the CIA, working for what they believe to be, in their words, the good guys, like they are working for America. And then, and then they find out that they're actually working for, like, basically a terrorist organization that is, like, against America and didn't realize that the entire time. Um, that's Jennifer Garner's character. And so the first episode is her 
think finding this out and then like defecting to like the actual quote unquote good guys and then working for the CIA and sort of like waking up yeah through some right. sort of revelation exactly exactly so the three main characters of this show the kids in the show um they are like raised and trained to believe that the avengers are super villains and that the these kids are the heroes and they're working for the good guys uh but who they're actually working for is hydra uh which you know we of course know are evil bad guys and terrorists mm-hmm. and stuff so the beginning of the show is these kids basically like you said waking up realizing that hydra are ba- are the bad guys all along and that they've just been sheltered from any information about who the Avengers really are and the Avengers are superheroes defecting and escaping Hydra and joining the Avengers. Yes. So that's pretty much where where the show starts. So it's already an interesting diversion from Marvel Disc Wars because in this case, the kids are like trained, super powered individuals um, who are now have like this almost kind of dark past and are trying to like overcome that by becoming like better heroes by working with heroes. Yes, as opposed to just, like, kids with toys that happen to be uh, housing superheroes. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> Collect them all. <laughs> mm-hmm. So those kids, those kids, their names are Makoto, Chloe, and Adi. And they do get code names. I don't think even to the point where we've watched, because I believe no. both of us have watched from episode one to what we're talking about today. I don't, did we ever get their code names in the show? I will admit that I watched the first few episodes pretty intently and then watched everything between then and now uh, less intently and then watched what we're talking about today, obviously, more intently. I've watched Um, through the end of this arc. um, So through like episode 14, I guess. And I have yet to hear their code name. Okay. If if I heard them, I missed it. We'll never use them. them, I missed it. (laughs) But if you're curious. Uh, Makoto is is codenamed Hurricane. Chloe is codenamed Charade, and Adi is codenamed Kodak. And the first two, it, it's kind of obvious what their thing is. Makoto has wind powers. Chloe has shape shifting abilities. Adi has like technomancy, basically, mm-hmm. uh, which I think is really cool. And that's I guess that's where his name Kodak comes from. So those are the three main kids. Makoto is voiced by Max Middleman, who we know and love already. Um, as mm-hmm. the voice of Harry Osborn in the 2017 Spider-Man cartoon. So familiar face there, and and I could tell. <laughs> yeah, he's really good in this, too. I, yeah. like him. I like him in this. Yeah, I like him a lot. Chloe is voiced by Jeannie Elias. Really bizarre, though. If you go on IMDb, it says, like, a completely different actress. <laughs> um, but that actress has one credit, and it's this show. And pretty much everywhere else just says Jeannie Elias. So I don't know what that's about. But I wasn't really that surprised based on how much of a complete clusterfuck the voice credits were for Marvel Disc Wars. (laughs) There had to be one thing weird about this show, right? Right. Um, And that was it. But I'm pretty confident, uh, like very confident that we're talking about the right person here. She voiced the main character's brother in the show As Told by Ginger. She was the voice of Beth Oblong, the, the little girl in the Oblongs. She was Huey Duck in Quack Pack, Pugsley in the 90s Adams Family cartoon, Princess Toadstool in the Super Mario Brothers Super Show, and Boof in the animated Teen Wolf series, um, yeah. alongside many, many, many other credits, um, especially in the in the late 80s and early 90s. That animated Teen Wolf show is really fun. Well, I've seen literally one episode of it, but the one episode <laughs> that I saw was really fun, and Teen Wolf goes punk, and it's great. I included that just for you. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> I also included this uh, largely for you, but for both of us. Uh, she's also the voice of the baby dragons in the second Spiral game. Fun. Yeah. Very cute. Yeah. She uh, she has such a distinct voice, Chloe does. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, very, very interesting, very memorable. <laughs> uh-huh. And then Adi is voiced by somebody named Xander Mobus, who is the announcer in Super Smash Brothers 4 and Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. Cool. So everybody okay. who plays that game can hear his voice in their head immediately. <laughs> <laughs> he also provides the voice of Joker in Persona 5, uh, other games that the character appears in, like such as Smash Brothers, <laughs> yeah. and the Persona Five anime, alongside other stuff as well. So those are our three like main kid characters. Yeah. Um, what's interesting about the show generally is it does seem to have one of the things that I think is similar about it to Disc Wars is that you do have the core team of Avengers, but then each episode or each arc of episode sort of like features other characters from the universe, typically. There's like some recurring villains, uh, like Winter Soldier is a is a thing. Ares <laughs> is a thing in this one. Um, who else? Enchantress, who for some reason the the subtitles insist on calling Loki all the time. Uh, <laughs> so so like there's a sort of a core cast of villains, but they also rotate folks a lot. So yeah. like for example, um, like Captain Marvel uh, is pretty early on like a guest spot. Yeah, um, it's pretty cool in that regard. It is. And I think it's also worth noting that, like, this show does, it's, it's you know, to the point that we watched have, you know, an ongoing story arc and everything. This this Spider-Man-centric arc is, is about as standalone as you could get. Uh, it like, obviously, sure feels like it. <laughs> yeah. It definitely references um, past events yeah. um, and, like, things that are going on with characters. But it's not moving along, like, the main story. So if you do, if you are, like, kind of mildly interested in the show but don't really feel like binging it to get to this and just want to watch this you would be fine just watching the episodes that we cover because they are more or less pretty standalone oh absolutely well i've only watched the first of of the arc but they even just in that one anything that is referenced is very clear uh yeah clearly referenced uh, and characters contextualize everything that is referenced from before so yeah absolutely you could just jump in watch this arc because you like spider-man and then call it a day yeah exactly yeah well, you mentioned the main team of Avengers in Iron Man, Captain America, Thor, Wasp, and Hulk. We know a couple of these folks already. We know most of these folks already, to be honest. Iron Man slash Tony Stark is voiced by Mick Wingert, who we talked about when we talked about Spider-Man 2017 because he was the voice alike for RDJ that voices Iron Man in that show as well. It's yeah. very obvious. I think he does a great job. I just don't want a voice alike anymore. Yeah. Just a personal preference. I think he's really great at what he does. I just yeah. don't want it. I like him better in this show than in than 2017 Spider-Man. I think only because you at least get used to it a little more because there's more of it. Um, so it feels like part of the show as opposed to like outside of the show like it did in 2017 a little bit. It does. And I think he does as good as he can do being you know basically an impression of rdj but i still think it ends up being a hindrance on his performance because there are some good uh, there have been a couple of good iron man centric episodes in this show that mm-hmm. i think are really compelling i think there's one one iron man centric one that kind of dives into his backstory that i think might be my favorite one that i've that i watched of this show but i still am just like <laughs> it's it's hard to get attached to your you as a character because I will I can never stop hearing right. you being like just not 
RDJ, you know, yeah. like, it's like, I can't not hear that. Like, I just want to hear you have a performance yeah. and be in character and like show emotions. And it's you like might even still kind of sound like Robert Downey Jr. And that would be like fine. But it just, I don't know how much of it is just like a commitment to the impression or direction or what, but like, it just, it, he's so good at the impression. It like very rarely strays, but you can still tell it's not Robert Downey Jr., so, I mean, the, yeah. the, there's always, like, a weird disconnect there, even even as great of a job as he does, you know? Yeah. And, like, if you're a kid and you watch the Iron Man movies or the Avengers movies, like, some discerning kids will be able to tell, but, like, most probably won't even think about it. They'll just be like, that's Iron Man. It sounds like Iron Man. You know what I mean? Exactly. And it's frustrating because he's the only one that really is doing an impression. Yeah. Like, nobody else is. Everybody else is just a, yeah. just doing a performance. And, and part of it is, I mean, part of it... and. You know, part of it is because he is good. He's a good voice actor. Like, Mm -hmm. he delivers the sort of modern contemporary Iron Man quippiness really well. Like, he he does the sort of, like, offhand cocky quips Mm -hmm. really well. And I think he would do them just as well if he weren't doing a really committed RDJ impression. But I don't know. Maybe maybe it's all together, right? Like, maybe it's harder to to break those pieces apart than, than I'm imagining, but maybe um, it just, it's just distracting. It's yeah. It's a personal preference for me. It, all, none of that takes away from his performance. I don't think, cause he's doing exactly what he's supposed to be doing. And I think he's doing it really, really well. Yeah, sure. Just like you said, no one else is doing an impression. <laughs> yeah. Um, Captain America, AKA Steve Rogers is voiced by Roger Craig Smith. We did talk about him when we talked about Captain America in Marvel disc wars, same voice actor. Uh, we will hear quite a bit more of him in the future when we cover other Spider-Man cartoons we haven't covered yet. And in future episodes of Spider-Man cartoons, we have started to cover. Um, so more on him in the future, uh, without revealing who he voices. (laughs) And it's not always as obvious as it seems. (laughs) Thor is voiced by Patrick Seitz. Uh, He has tons of credits across video games and anime, which a lot of these folks do. I'm going to say that a lot. But a few highlights include the current voice of Mortal Kombat Scorpion, which is dope as hell, uh, across properties uh, in, like, the main series game for, I think, since, like, 2008 at least. And in some sort of Mortal Kombat, I think, animation or anime or movie or something like that. Um, He's also Dracula in a number of Castlevania video games. Also awesome. Laxus in Fairy Tale, Endeavor in My Hero Academia, Germany in Italia, and tons of other tons of other stuff. Nice. Yeah, he's not actually in this episode, but he is part of the core team. Neither is uh, Cap, wa- right? Yeah. <laughs> Thor yeah, neither Cap is Cap. America. Neither is Captain America. Yeah. The next two are Wasp and Hulk. Um, Wasp is voiced by Carrie Walgren. We've also mentioned her before, but it was only because Marvel Disc Wars had the weird credit like voice credit fuckery going on so we speculated that she might have been the voice of maria hill in that show but disc wars doesn't appear on her imdb and when we were trying to find the voice for maria hill covering that show a lot of places just didn't even credit that character so still sort of a mystery on that front but she has 500 other credits so you know there's plenty to talk about uh she's haruko harahara in fully Cooly, selty and durarara uh, Tigress in Kung Fu Panda Legends of Awesomeness, cool. uh, which she was nominated for and maybe even won awards for <laughs> because it's the most award winningest show of all time, apparently. Apparently. And Mick Wingert and Fred Tattashore are also in that show, <laughs> notably. Uh, <laughs> she's Emma Frost and Wolverine and the X-Men and a bunch of other Marvel stuff like video games. Um, a character named uh, Relena, Relena in Digimon Data Squad. 
Um, look that up real quick because I don't know if yeah. I remember who that is. I'm curious. I think she's only in like a dozen episodes. She's not, I don't think she's like a main cast member necessarily. She's like a little blonde girl. I don't know. She looks like what an anime would draw as like a little rich oh, girl. Oh, 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 yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I forgot that was, oh my God, I can't believe I forgot her. She's cool. I actually, I like that oh, okay, character cool. a lot. Um, Great. <laughs> oh my God, I feel so bad. If you'd said her, la- if you said her last name, Norstein, I would have recognized it then. Cause she's like someone's daughter, right? Um, she's, she's one of, she's Thomas, one of the main characters, little sister. Um, oh, gotcha. So if okay. you said Norstein, I would have totally recognized it, but I did, did the first name didn't clue me in for some reason. <laughs> oh, she's adorable. That makes sense. Yeah. No, she's great. Yeah. Oh, she, yeah, no, she's, she's fantastic. She's a fantastic uh, actor and she's great as, as Wasp. And then Hulk, we know. Fred Tedashore. We've talked about him plenty, largely for voicing the Hulk, but also uh, very recently as the voice of Max Modell in Spider-Man 2017. Mm-hmm. Well, let's let's circle back to this episode specifically and yes. what this episode is about, because this yeah. is a Spider-Man podcast, and this is a Spider-Man or the beginning of some Spider-Man episodes. It is. Yes. So we are starting with Marvel Future Avengers Season 1, Episode 11, entitled The Rampaging Hulk. IMDb does not have synopsis for this show, so the synopsis... <laughs> Disney pro- Plus has a synopsis that's like five words long. <laughs> not going to read that. The synopsis for Wikipedia is... The Green Goblin manipulates Hulk into going berserk, stoking anti-superhero sentiment and leading him to quit the Avengers. Uh, Disney Plus's, I know it off the top of my head, was Hulk quits the Avengers. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Love it. Uh, The original air date for this episode was September 30th, 2017. For the writing credits, they credit the the script and the storyboard uh, at the same time, so I will do the same. The script is by um, Mitsutaka Hirota, who wrote on other Marvel anime, just like pretty much all of these dudes did. Um, I think the X-Men one was the one he primarily wrote on, along with uh, animes like Rent-A-Girlfriend, Hunter x Hunter. Is it Hunter x Hunter, or like is it- (laughs) It's just Hunter Hunter. Hunter Hunter, okay. (laughs) The X is silent for some reason. Okay, Hunter Hunter, (laughs) sure. Um, we all do it. Yeah, I don't. I sorry, like not a weeb and total white guy. I don't know anything about <laughs> Hunter Hunter, um, Hunter X Hunter, and the Pokemans. Uh, speaking of Pokemon <laughs> Origins, also wrote on that and uh, Digimon Adventure Try. So those last two were obviously for the two of us. That's a cool pairing, actually, because Digimon Adventure Try. That's like the them grown up stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And Pokemon Origins is sort of like a they're shorts, but they're they're kind of like what you would imagine Pokemon being if they aged it up a little bit. Oh, cool. Yeah. Not like, not, you know, <laughs> mature or anything, but just like, you know, if you aged it up, made it a little less cartoony style anime, uh, that's kind of what Pokemon Origins is. It's pretty cool. Cool. Hey, I didn't know that was a thing. Mm-hmm. The storyboard for this episode was by Yoshiaki Kawajiri who has worked in various capacities on a ton of stuff, like as a writer, director, and or in the art and animation department, like across a bunch of different stuff. Um, so just some of the things uh, he's worked on in, in these different capacities are other Marvel anime, just like everybody else. But also uh, Ninja Scroll, Vampire Hunter D, which I know is a big deal. Uh, the Animatrix, which is also a big deal. Um, <laughs> X, also the Diary of Anne Frank anime. That's a thing. <laughs> Excuse me? Yep. Uh, <laughs> I think it's an anime movie. It came out in 1995. It looks like oh, I check. It's okay. real. I mean, okay. Um, it's not a series. It would have been weird if it was a series, but it's Yeah, uh, that's kind of what I assumed. That that would have been a lot weirder. <laughs> yeah. 
but also One Punch Man, Attack on Titan, B-Stars, and much Ooh. more. So a whole bunch of just, like, gigantic stuff. Yeah. This episode was directed by Kang Taisik, director on A Place Further Than the Universe, Overlord, and Kake Guru. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right. Those are the only three credits that IMDb had, so I'm not really sure. Oh. Uh, but that's but IMDb does is is not very reliable when it comes to like anything outside of America. I feel like so maybe yeah, it's done no, that's, more than that. That's legit. <laughs> yeah, um, and I, and I was since I'm I'm pretty sure both of us watched the dub for this. I was curious if if I could find who wrote the script for the dub because sometimes there's interesting crossover. I couldn't find who actually wrote this particular episode because the credits are a little spotty. Like we as it like it always is for anime on on the internet it seems like for writing mm. credits so i'm not sure who wrote it yeah. but i will say the 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 dubbing is done by like there is a lot of crossover in the dubbing studio because it's like studiopolis a lot of people who worked on it like also worked on like the digimon dub and stuff like that mm-hmm. so it's it's all yeah. familiar people working on this stuff yeah yeah we, we i think we definitely both watched the dub because the japanese audio is not available on disney plus uh, oh i didn't even check yet, so i didn't even hopefully. know that that's annoying. Um, That's yeah. stupid. Come on, give people the option. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, because I was I was gonna watch most of it in the dub anyway because I knew that for like the first uh what ten episodes or whatever I wasn't gonna watch all of them with like a very discerning eye. So yeah. I didn't want to <laughs> have Japanese audio the whole time. But I wanted to check it out at least. You know, I think this dub is like pretty good. It has like really talented folks on it. But I was very curious to compare. Yeah, it would have been interesting to I, – I actually was considering, like, watching both of them for the podcast and ran out of time. But yeah. uh, that wouldn't have been an option anyway, apparently, so I don't even have to admit that. No. So. Yep. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> well, like we like we said, the Avengers in this one are Iron Man, Wasp, and Hulk. But we get a couple other Marvel characters here. Obviously, Spider-Man. We've mentioned him numerous times. Um, and we know this Spider-Man. This Spider-Man – is voiced by Robbie Damon, and we know him because he's the voice of Spider-Man in 2017's Spider-Man cartoon. Does a great job there. Does a great job here. I think actually ages up just ever so slightly, and it he shows. Absolutely does. He absolutely does. <laughs> Which his is very cool. Is, his performance is noticeably different. Like, and it's um, yeah. you know, we talked about but how you can that- still tell it's him. <laughs> yeah, you can. But you know, I remember we talked about in the 2017 show, like how he has sort of this like manic performance for Peter Parker a lot of times. Yeah. But and he does not for this because this isn't that type of Spider-Man and mm-hmm. it's it's interesting how noticeable that difference is like it's subtle but yeah, yeah. it is it is a very different performance than its 2017 performance yeah. also funny because the Peter Parker in Disc Wars was absolutely manic was like a weird comic relief character in the beginning <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> and then we also get a Green Goblin slash Norman Osborn here which is very exciting um, he's voiced by Dave Wittenberg and like so many of those folks has just hundreds of voice credits. Um, he's the voice of Kakashi and Naruto and Boruto and all the Naruto universe things. Henry Wong in Digimon Tamers and, mm-hmm. uh, Koki in, uh, Digimon Data Squad. I think, <laughs> so, pro- I think they pronounce it Koiki, but he's not a huge character. So I don't remember if that's right or not. Yeah. Not, not sure on that one. I was honestly surprised that, that the name was retained for the, uh, the English dub, which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, Key Kiter in Android, Key Kiter the Animation for our Toku friends out there, and just so many, so many other things. Um, a lot of these folks are all over the anime series and names that you know just yeah. by having nerd friends. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so name an anime. I'm sure it's covered by at least three people on this cast. <laughs> <laughs> Well, with all of that said, we can finally dive into this episode. <laughs> yes. 
Well, this episode opens on Spider-Man, which is exciting because it lets you know right off the bat we're getting Spider-Man stuff. And he is just hanging out on like a flagpole or something. And he hears a police siren and is like, I think he literally says, that's my cue. And then swings off Mm -hmm. to figure out what it is. We find out before he does because we go right to the side of the ruckus where Iron Man, Wasp, and the future Avengers, that's what the kids are called in this series, are attempting to prevent Hulk, who's gone berserk for some reason, from causing too much damage downtown. And we, having watched the episodes prior to this, recognize immediately that something is wrong because Hulk is, one, acting differently, but two, uh, has purple eyes. And normally he just has normal eyes. He doesn't like – actually, he never looks different in this show. He's pretty much always Hulk at least to where we have watched, which I know neither one of us is necessarily in favor of, but it's very consistent. And so when you see him in this episode looking and acting differently, it's very obvious something's wrong. Mm -hmm. I I like that this episode just starts like Amidius rests like right off the bat and that they don't really do like sometimes I feel like we talked about this before. Like sometimes those things can be done well and sometimes they're kind of annoying. I think this one does it well because it does start in like a a wild situation and when it does kind of flash back to the explanation, it doesn't flash back very much. It only flashes back a little bit, so it doesn't feel like it's a waste of time or anything. No, it flashes yeah. back so briefly that it isn't even consequential in the moment, which is really bizarre, but we'll get to it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just it's just interesting. Like I like yeah, it's just an it's just an interesting route. Like you could go into this episode and think that it's like part two of a two-parter and it's not they just yeah that's just the story just starts in the middle of it uh yeah yeah, and they don't really go backwards very much from there yeah Yeah, they don't (laughs) (laughs) well the the avengers that are on site and the future avengers fail at stopping the hulk because green goblin swoops in so we get spider-man right away and green goblin pretty much right away and green goblin is obviously trying to taunt the hulk and get him to cause more problems and more destruction because the Avengers are trying to calm him down. And this obviously leads to a trail of destruction. Hulk is chasing Green Goblin around, smashing buildings in his wake. Um, And this is where we get Wasp and that flashback being like, huh, you know what? Green Goblin's here. Hulk's acting strange. I think I did see Green Goblin throw a strange bomb at Hulk that coincided with him acting weird. So Wasp like pretty much knows what happens doesn't tell anyone, <laughs> but Wasp pretty much knows what happened. <laughs> I guess like it doesn't matter because it doesn't change their priority, which is to stop the Hulk, I guess. But you would it is weird that she didn't like attempt to because maybe Tony could have been like, I have an anti-gas thing in my suit that I could use then. Like, yeah, I, I feel like when you have Tony Stark around, like more information, the better. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> doesn't change the priority, but it might change the approach, which in this episode matters immensely, as we will see. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I don't remember when the theme song comes, but I do want to con- like. Yeah, this- the theme song shows up. Uh, let's. It see. doesn't matter. I just let's. I can just. Uh, it, it already it just- showed up at, at the point at which we're in the episode. It shows up very quickly. Because I am, I do think that the theme song is a step down from the Marvel Disc Wars theme song, which oh my, for sure. The Marvel <laughs> Disc Wars song is still one of my favorite theme songs of like any show you and I have talked about. It is so good. Yeah, I actually it don't is so good. like this theme song for this show much at all. I like some of the actual music in the show because they do like a lot of rock and even sometimes like verging on metal. I think the end song is fun because it's like a weird like... It's like a disco dis- song. It's like, it's like a disco <laughs> throwback with a mix of like a little bit of yeah. the Daft Punk in it a little bit. Like yeah. that's really fun. The opening theme song, so boring. It's so generic. It's so basic. 
Yeah, I've watched a dozen episodes of the show, and I cannot, for the life of me, recall what it's even like. But that that ending theme for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Just want to put it out. Don't like the theme song, opening theme song, but everything yeah. else, the rest of the music's fine. It's not <laughs> offensive. It's just it's boring. It's just it's, it's very nothing. boring. And it's like if you're gonna get if you we already have enough boring music in American cartoons, American action cartoons yeah. right now. If you're gonna do an anime, do a real real ass anime song. Make it good. Yeah, yeah. Give it to us. <laughs> yeah, we want it. We want it. The other thing I don't like about this, and it's more probably the dub. I, I imagine it's it's not the same because it wouldn't be in English in Japan. I don't like uh the they they, they kind of like flash the names of characters when they appear when they're the first appearance. So like Spider Man and Green Goblin, it their name Spider Man and Green Goblin on screen, yeah. um, which is good for the kids. It's the most boring like aerial font that they have could ever come up with for it. It's just so ugly looking, and it wouldn't be super offensive if it wasn't like huge when these characters popped up it is one it's probably huge because i'm sure that the japanese text is at least you know almost as big they're probably covering something yeah um and it i think it only looks goofy because it's in english to be honest because it's like i think they're trying to do that like sort of almost like smash brothersy sort of like bam like thing and it just has like no no impact whatsoever. Yeah, it's it's pretty ugly. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, just just airing my grievances right off the top here. The things I don't like about this show. Yeah, I'm glad they didn't get rid of it though. They they like couldn't get rid of it because there's a Deadpool episode that directly references it. So it's yeah. not like they could even just be like, you know what, we won't do it for the dub. <laughs> yeah. It yeah. had to be there for every episode so that Deadpool could make his joke. <laughs> yeah, the Deadpool episode is also is is very fun. By the yeah. way, I, would, I will say I would recommend that one as well. You don't really need to yeah. know anything with that one. It's just Deadpool, so yeah, it, you know exactly what you're going to get with it, and they deliver. Yeah. They they know what people want, and they deliver. Yeah. it, and it's fun. That's one that I really want to hear the Japanese uh, voice right? acting for more than any right? other episode I've watched so far. Yeah, I'd be curious to see what jokes they changed in that episode for yeah. for America too. For sure. Well, after clashing with the Hulk for a little bit and failing and feeling out of options, Iron Man summons his Hulk Buster armor, which will become a very big part of this episode. Um, everyone is surprised by this, including the Hulk. No one has seen this armor before. I think Iron Man even comments on the fact that it's brand new. He says he doesn't want to bring it out, mm-hmm. um, but he does, which we've kind of seen before. If you're familiar with the MCU universe, you know what this is. It's the big, big Iron Man one that he fights the Hulk in that, you know in a fun echo uh, Bruce Banner then uses in a later movie. So they continue to clash this time Hulkbuster versus Hulk, um, but a little bit more evenly. And as they do, Green Goblin begins to flee. So while those two are fighting Wasp, Adi and Chloe pursue the Green Goblin, uh, Makoto stays behind uh, with Iron Man and the Hulk. When the three that set off to follow Green Goblin fail, Spider-Man arrives and he does so just in time to save Adi and Chloe uh, who are very eager to stop Green Goblin, uh, yeah. which proves to be not smart in this show because they no. always try to like attack him while he's flying and then just like fall. There's um, yeah, there's two instances of Chloe jumping <laughs> on his glider, trying to use his martial arts, not getting a single hit in, and then just getting chucked off of his glider to fall yeah, to her death. Terrible idea, girl. What are you yeah. doing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, th- this sets up a situation where uh, they're vulnerable. Green Goblin throws some razor bats at them, and uh, Spider-Man shows up, saves them. No razor bats today. 
course he does. I uh, I like there's a there's a bit. It's either the first time he's like escaping or this time I don't remember which. But he but Gobby is like I do and blows them a kiss while he's sticking his butt out <laughs> as he flies away. It's really it's really cute. Yeah, yeah. They 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 don't lean super into him being a goofy anime character, but they do embrace it mm-hmm. um, more than I would have expected, and I'm happy about that. I love his design in this show a lot too. I do it's, like it. Yeah, I think yeah, it's, it's good. He looks like he's wearing thigh-high boots with fishnets from a he distance. Does. He absolutely does. It's great. It's Not like scaly it. armor, but it looks like fishnets and uh, thigh-high boots. Yeah, I think they do a really good job with his mask because it's like the classic look, but they do make it like more goblin-y and menacing and mm-hmm. sharp teeth and stuff. Like it all, it's, yeah. a, it's a nice aesthetic that they have for him. I dig it. So, yeah, so the two, uh, Spider-Man and Gobby clash briefly. Uh, They even get a nice little reference to turn off the dark when Spidey's like, oh, wow, you're great. If if they ever make a musical about yours truly, you're definitely getting a casting call, which Gobby is in (laughs) Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark, which is a musical. Uh And also, I mean, movie musical, the first appearance of of the Spidey Goes Hollywood story where they're making a movie about Spider-Man. Goblin is part of that story and is, and yeah. is instigating it, so it could also be a stealth reference to that as well. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Check out the spider bite we did <laughs> on our Patreon about that comic issue. Yeah. Um, but uh, but anyway, yeah, they're clashing. Uh, when the rubble from one of the damaged buildings begins to fall on a couple of onlookers, Spider-Man obviously is going to turn his attention to saving them, and while he's in the middle of doing that, Goblin gets away. Yes. Classic. Classic Spider-Man shit. Well, we return to the battle between Iron Man and Hulk, and Hulk manages to cause some serious damage to the Hulkbuster suit, almost as much damage to the Hulkbuster suit as he does to the regular suit, which I think is notable, Um, but is ultimately neutralized after a series of punches from Iron Man's Gatling punch, which is the punch we see in the MCU, the one that just just goes over and over and over and over, um, and a rocket-propelled buster crash attack. And I love these... Because it's anime, so Iron Man calls out all of his attacks when he uses them. Of course he does. It's great. <laughs> so we know exactly what these mechanics are called. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He gets Hulk gets punched in the face repeatedly so much. It's so brutal. Yeah. And I mean, yeah. it's Hulk. He can take it. He's fine. But it's still like weird to just see him repeatedly punched in the face mm-hmm. nonstop. <laughs> yeah, I actually think it feels more brutal in this because at least in in Age of Ultron, Age of Ultron, no, Civil War. Um, at least like Robert Downey Jr. plays it off as like, he's like scared. So you're like, oh gosh, like, oh, this feels so necessary. In this one, I know he says it's necessary, but it's not, you know, like, it's not emoting quite as much. Uh, I think it was Age a of full screen. Was it Age of Ultron? Yeah. Cause Hulk wasn't in, uh, in Civil War at all. He was, he was off in space by Civil War, right? Yeah, yeah he was. The- because that's like kind of taking place roughly the same time as Ragnarok. It doesn't matter. I know everybody knows which scene you're talking about. Regardless. It's that but scene. But just so nobody it's, writes it's the in the one that's you. significant to Civil War. <laughs> I'm mixing up the two scenes. But yes, that you all know. They're similar. It's the, they're it's similar. the punching. It's the punching. It's the Hulkbuster premiere. But and it's all but I'm it's all about. it's all tied in together because that's this episode is very much yes. a riff on the Civil War stuff yes. too where because it, it's all about what if the Avengers caused a lot of damage? Hulk can cause a lot of damage, and that's what propels this whole story. So it makes sense to get those things confused because they're all kind of wrapped up into each other. And that's what's happening right in this moment, and they do manage to stop him. Um, but as Hulk starts to come to, sort of like normal Hulk, Makoto, uh, again, our main character, kind of, 
um, and Iron Man both sort of like look around and are like, oh shit, and see like the whole street and nearby area is just ruined. Yeah. Like war zone ruined. <laughs> rough. It's real rough. Also, because you mentioned people calling out their attacks, just it's for the people who maybe you're listening to the, to this episode without watching the show. And so I don't just sound like a total idiot to them from my, from my uh, answer to the spider sense question at the beginning of this episode. When the kids call out their attack, the thing that I was referencing yeah. is that they call their attacks like blank act, um, like technical act for, for the, from the technopathy yeah. guy or um, aerial act, aerial act. Yeah. For like wind powers. Um, and then, and then, and then they have like something that they say after that, you know, as well. So mm-hmm. that's what I was referencing. It's like a weird little, very, very kids anime touch that they have because only the kids have the blank act thing. But it's an easy thing for kids who are watching to like repeat and like categorize and know what it means. Yeah. And that's all fun. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, meanwhile, Wasp introduces Spider-Man to Chloe and Adi and Spidey reveals two things. One, that he's not that much older than them <laughs> in like a funny sort of <laughs> moment where he calls uh, Wasp ma'am, which Wasp he takes is like, issue with. <laughs> are you not trying to insinuate that like I am a lot older than you, are you? <laughs> it's like, I mean, kind of, I mean. <laughs> Um, and he also reveals that he already knows the future Avengers, which they're surprised by because, like, they're still not used to being heroes, especially Chloe and Adi. Um, yeah. And he also mentions, like, I'm very impressed with what you've done. So they have, like, a nice little warm moment, uh, especially Adi. Adi seems especially uh, intrigued by Spider-Man. So uh, yeah. cool moment. And before he leaves, because he, he'll whip off here in a second, he does warn them, like, Green Goblin is no joke, um, and he's a huge mystery. So just be careful. Like, we can't really predict what he's going to do. So yeah. gives us a little context uh, as far as, like, where this Green Goblin is at uh, in relation to Spider-Man. Spider-Man doesn't yeah. know anything about him. Still a mystery. Uh, and theoretically, if you if this was your first Marvel superhero show, you would not really know who this character is. And they sort of play on that at the end a little bit. Yeah, it's interesting. This and Marvel Discourse both are, are have interesting tactics to, like, picking and choosing what's part of a character's history and what's going to be mm-hmm. new. You know, like, Marvel Discourse like they basically had the first interaction with the black suit and venom in that show. In this show, you know, there's a lot with like the winter soldier is a major character, but it's the first interaction with winter soldier. But then there are other characters that like are in the past, like iron monger is, 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 is a character in this show and is meant to have been a character from Tony's past rather than a new one. So it's interesting that in this case, Spider-Man's been around for a little while. It seems like in green goblin is still more or less brand new as a super villain. But yeah, so the next day, maybe, I think the next day makes sense, but it's not I think specified. It is. Um, but yeah, the next day at the Avengers Tower, Hulk, Wasp, and the future Avengers are uh, watching an interview on TV in which Norman Osborn is using the events of the previous day, where Hulk trashed the city, basically, to argue for a law that will require monitoring and regulating all superheroes, which is something that many of us are very familiar with from superhero media. Yep. Uh, very common storyline. So. Hulk responds that the situation is his fault. Makoto, of course, objects because it's like, you're under the influence of a gas bomb from Green Coblet. It's not your fault. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. The news story even references that. So, like, it becomes public knowledge very quickly that, like, even though Hulk destroyed everything, it's likely that Hulk was, like, used by Goblin to do that. Yeah. Which I think is smart because then they don't really have to deal with too much of like the public's fallout it really mm-hmm. is more about like the government interference and it's like once they you know inevitably figure all this out it's not like there's going to be too much hard work 
to get the Avengers back in good faith with the public because that would be a lot to deal with. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of a smart way to, to avoid that. And it allows them to avoid painting any of their heroes as villains unnecessarily. Like, yeah. even if you don't like the Hulk after this, you aren't going to argue he's a villain. You're just going to argue that he's dangerous. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But yeah, so just as Norman begins to address the Avengers specifically on TV, uh, Tony enters the room and is talking about like just not ha- not having heard the previous uh, news report that obviously Hulk is going to feel bad about. He's like talking about how his, how d- damaged his Hulkbuster was, and Hulk sure did a whammy on his Hulkbuster. And everybody's just like, "No bad timing to bring this up, dude. <laughs> Don't bring up how strong and 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 violent Hulk is right now. Like it's yeah. the worst thing you could say." Yeah, Wasp delivers a very good like single word tony <laughs> yeah yeah of course so, you know it's it kind of triggers hulk because he's he's still real uh feeling pretty fucked up about about uh, and guilty about what what just happened so um that kind of prompts him to announce to the group that he's just going to leave the team and the city to ensure that he can never be taken advantage of ever again Makoto pushes back and he kind of is telling Hulk that they'll just stop his rampaging again. And Hulk very pointedly asks with that Hulk buster and leaves the room. And of course, everybody's kind of objecting to like, no, Hulk, don't leave. But uh, Tony's like, eh, I mean, <laughs> he does. He doesn't. He pointedly does not object to Hulk leaving yeah. right now. Hulk walks right past him and Tony says nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Hello, amazing friends. We just wanted to take a quick moment to shout out our spectacular enough patrons, Bo, Katie, Mike, Eric, Carl, and Lillian. If you would like to join our Patreon, we have a ton of great bonus content waiting for you. We have our Spider Bites, where we talk about pretty much whatever we want in the Spider-Man universe, such as comics, like the current Miles Morales series, and classics like Kraven's Last Hunt. Sometimes we do deep dives into Spider-Man stuff, like our miniseries on the unmade Spider-Man movies. Or we spin off into other topics, like the Blade movies or the Firestar comics. Sometimes we'll do some bonus content just because we happen to have it, like Peaks Behind the Curtain or how we make certain episodes. And if you join us at the $5 Spectacular level, you also get access to our After Dark commentaries, where we let loose and talk about shows that aren't Spider-Man related without a filter. Shows like Gargoyles, Batman Beyond, Muppet Babies, and more. Ultimately, these are the types of things that we're going to talk about anyway, so recording it and making it available on Patreon is our way of saying thank you so much for supporting this show and letting us do the types of things we really want to do. Whatever tier you opt into, thank you so much. Whether you're an avid listener or just stopping by, we appreciate that too. From your friendly neighborhood podcasters, thank you. Well, a week later, a televised debate over Osborne's proposed regulatory law is conducted between Osborne himself and a councilman named Rayner. Upset that they haven't heard from Hulk since he left, Makoto heatedly asks Tony, like, when are we going to go find him? Because all this stuff is ramping up, and he feels real bad about it, and we're his friends, so we should go find him and try to make him feel better. And, you know, Tony's like, eh. Makoto's like, no, seriously, like, he probably feels really bad. You hurt his feelings. Like, how would you feel if a friend made a weapon to stop you? And Tony's like... Well, I had to, like, I had to make the Hulkbuster. I have to have contingency plans. Very sort of like Batman moment here where he's like, I have a plan for everybody. If something goes wrong, like we need that. And the future Avengers are all sort of like taken aback by this. And 
each one of them sort of points something different out, but altogether they're sort of highlighting the fact that like, dude, it's not about the fact that you have a Hulkbuster. It's the fact that you treat the Hulk like he's just like a weapon waiting to be used or like not human. And you didn't tell him you had this. Like you yeah. caught him off guard. You did it behind his back. That's what's fucked up. Um, I like that conversation a lot because, yeah, because it is just sort of like, you know, logically it it all makes sense. Like it's smart to have that contingency. But like it's not about that. It's about the friendship thing. Like are yeah. you? You're, you're friends like treat each other like friends right yeah I, I and like this is an anime so makoto is like you're friends we're a team <laughs> yeah of course. i mean of course, of course. <laughs> makoto's like the hot head like i can do anything through willpower character in this show yeah yeah of course he is <laughs> he is he's he's a lead anime boy of course like what, yeah. what else would you expect he's like a goggle head right am i saying that right yeah <laughs> am i using that term correctly 100 percent. yeah he absolutely he's the ash ketchum we only have one ash so yeah. we don't have a general term for it in the pokemon world <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think the thing that's interesting about makoto that that comes up in this in this episode too is that that does make him stand out a little bit among like the hot-headed kids is that there is this like dark power within him that like Mm -hmm. has manifested before so there's an interesting like fear aspect to him as well and i think that makes him a little bit interesting and almost i think kind of justifies his hot-headedness a little bit because it's like oh he's got a lot of emotions brewing in him it's not just because he is hot-headed and and the main anime boy character it's because he he has a lot of conflicted emotions about his own ability to do to do anything as well you know yeah there's a lot pent up in him emotionally mm-hmm. and super poweredly <laughs> exactly exactly i like it <laughs> so makoto decides he's going to search for hulk on his own if no one else is going to do it and wasp follows him and, and makoto is like don't stop me and she's like i'm not gonna i'm gonna come with you like i think you're right he is our friend we need to help him <laughs> you know which is cool i i wasn't expecting that either so i was glad to see that so Makoto's like, well, where are we even going to find him? He could be anywhere. And Wasp recalls that Hulk kind of spoke fondly of this forest in Canada where he mentioned that, like that's where he can feel calm. So they're like, all right, to Canada we go. So on the way to Canada, Wasp is like, Makoto, it's really cool that you care this much about Hulk. And Makoto recalls a memory uh, of Hulk staying by his bed when Makoto uh, had gone through something similar, which we'll explore a little bit later in a, in a really cool interaction between Makoto and Hulk. Back at Avengers Tower, Tony does pause to think as he works to repair the Hulkbuster. So what people have said have probably uh, made some effect on him, um, which we may see later. Elsewhere in the city, Chloe and Adie watch nearby as Norman Osborn leaves from a speech in his limo. And after agreeing how detrimental the law would be, they wonder what they would do in order to prevent its passing. Um, and of course, nice. Also, throw in some nice comments about how creepy Norman Osborn seems to be, which we're all like, "Oh yeah, yeah definitely is." <laughs> yeah, his design in this show. Oof. Wow, it's like let's I make like a villain. It, but wow, <laughs> it, that's exactly what they did, right? Like it, they they fully were like, "Oh, this is an anime villain." Okay, let's make him look like it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like it's he great. doesn't even need his goblin mask. He could just paint no. his face green and it would be fine. <laughs> yep, yep. It's 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 nightmarish. Well, in Canada, Wasp and Makoto touch down and they walk through the forest to find Hulk. Makoto asks how Hulk got his powers and Wasp shares Hulk's origin story. It's a very short, basic Hulk origin story. Nothing really surprising here. Gamma radiation, all that sort of stuff. Um, And ultimately, they end up finding Hulk. I love this so much. They find Hulk 
meditating near a lake and he's like covered with animals <laughs> like Truly a disney princess <laughs> the best thing full snow it's white so moment great. it's great yeah it's great <laughs> so back in new york chloe and adi arrive at oscorp with the plan to convince osborne to change his mind so as they work out the details, Chloe wonders if Makoto is going to be able to convince Hulk to return to the Avengers, and Adi worries that, you know, if Makoto can't, it's possible that neither would return, because, you know, Makoto believes in Hulk, and maybe that'll make him feel bad, and he won't want to come back either. Who knows? Yeah, I, they have a connection. Worried that... that uh, It's that more than that. Members. <laughs> like, Adi starts to kind of get into what Makoto and Hulk will explore later. Um, yeah. where he starts saying like, well, I think Makoto sees himself in Hulk. And so yeah. your wheels start turning of like, oh, wait, if Hulk doesn't want to return, why doesn't Hulk want to return? What would Makoto see in him? But then they like cut away before he can fully explain it. Yeah. I mean, it, it makes sense if you've been watching the show, you know, Makoto lost control of his powers at one point earlier in the mm-hmm. show, which is exactly what Hulk, ha- what happened with Hulk just now. So it makes sense for them to kind of feel a kinship with each other. So, yeah, yeah. if Hulk is gone, Makoto will probably be gone, too, because uh, they're kind of in the same position. And, you know, yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting. I like that Adi is picking up on something that Makoto hasn't even expressed yet at this point. Yeah. Like, I don't even think Makoto understands fully that sort of dynamic between him and Hulk in the way that Adi sees it this early on. Adi's a cool character. Adi is sort of like yes. calm, emotional kind of guy. Like, he's very empathic, um, which is kind of cool because he's also the technomancer in the show. Yeah. So you would think those things wouldn't go together. So I kind of like that. Yeah. I like Adi a lot, too. Usually the best stuff in the show with, is with him at the center and like him grappling with his own moral compass and things like that. Like, I think one of the reasons I like the Iron Man episode, uh, in, in oh, that, yeah. early on is because of Adi grappling with like, wait, Tony Stark was like a weapons dealer, like, and somehow, and we're just like treating him like he's a hero now. Like, shouldn't he, you know, have to be take responsibility for that? Like, what, what is that? What, what are these shades of gray? I don't understand. Like, that stuff is really interesting and they really only explore it through Adi and I think that makes him really compelling it's that but in that same episode Adi also sort of like learns that it's okay for him to be a superhero because Iron Man is a superhero and Adi and Chloe have done horrible things as agents of Hydra and Adi really struggles with that so learning that Tony was an arms dealer is like horrifying at first but then it's like empowering yeah. Uh, once he like has a fuller picture of it, which is very cool. And I think that's probably why he understands what's going on between Makoto and Hulk. Yeah. Yeah. I think that makes sense. Because he's kind of had a similar emotional journey. It's good stuff. The show has some, has some really cool character, character driven stuff in it that I appreciate a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in the forest, Hulk says he's not going to return because he's a monster. And the result of what happened doesn't change whether people agree with him about that or not. Because, of course, Makoto and Wasp are like, you're not a monster. None of us think that. And he's like, who cares? The result is the same. If you think I'm a monster or not, I still destroyed everything, (laughs) you know. And this is where we get a little bit more of Makoto's flashback where he recalls sort of losing control of his own powers and he begins to get at what will be this like big emotional moment. He starts sort of like pushing through, you know, anime boy tears. (laughs) And he says, if you quit being an Avenger and quit being a superhero, then I 
and sort of trails off and then we cut away and you start to see what Adi's probably seeing here and like the the line that that Makoto's drawing between like Hulk and himself and like that insecurity very good this is really good this episode (laughs) yeah it's fascinating it's really fascinating stuff for sure I I like it a lot so at Oscorp Chloe and Adi flesh out their plan, which involves Chloe shape-shifting to impersonate one of Osborne's clients. And then as the client, she would uh, order to, like, arrange their rendezvous with Norman so then they can, you know, chat with him and try to change his mind. However, in the lobby, when Chloe shows up in disguise, she's, like, immediately, without a beat, stopped. (laughs) And the security guards are like, yeah, so we have security cameras in the alley, like – outside of our building and it shows you shape-shifting into this dude and she's like oh shit and they both run it's so good I really did not expect that to happen they no. shut them down so fast it's so funny it's like it's almost like a meta thing because it's just like yeah you yeah. shape-shifted literally right outside of the place that you're going into like a highly secure building in the city obviously they're going to have security cameras and people watching you were outside like you were in an alley but people could see you anyway like somebody's gonna see this happen (laughs) chloe and adi are interesting for that reason because like makoto's powers are very easily translatable to combat because it's all wind-based elemental stuff chloe's is shape-shifting like a mystique like mystique's power isn't martial arts she just has to be good at it you know what i mean chloe finds herself in a very similar situation and i think the show recognizes that and so there are a number of times where the show kind of like nerfs chloe's ability to be whoever she wants because that's kind of op when you're not Mm -hmm. in combat so they're like they they really utilize it uh, in a lot of fun ways because if you think about it like yeah this would have worked almost too well (laughs) yeah But I still would have liked to see it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So shortly after, Tony watches a news story reporting on that superhero regulation bill. uh, And it turns out it was voted into law. That happened way faster than any other bill in America. One week, baby. (laughs) One week. Wow. I wish our our government moved that fast in Mm -hmm. real life. In the wake Um, of disaster, passing legislation that could prevent that disaster. Wow. And... It isn't just like, yeah, in, by 2023, <laughs> this mm-hmm. long. No, it takes effect immediately. Mm-hmm. Damn, wish I was there. I mean, you know, I wouldn't want like a martial law or whatever to be voted into law that, that quickly. But, yeah. you know, if a law well, would help people, it would be nice if it could pass quickly. I mean, if you if you if you do try to like think of the parallels to the real world, like superhero properties treat superheroes like mar- like a marginalized population, you know. Sure. Like we are supposed to we are supposed to view them that way as opposed to like exerting power over the populace, right? Like that's generally yeah. the side we're supposed to fall on. So if you think about it, like legislation that gets passed to further marginalize marginalized people, yeah, that actually does tend to happen a lot quicker than things that are for the greater good. <laughs> That's a good point. That's a real good point. Yep. So in that context, it's uh, almost a little bit more believable. <laughs> yeah, maybe more realistic than I was giving it credit for, actually, in this context. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, outside of Oscorp, Chloe and Adi attempt to hide on a nearby roof because obviously they had to run away from security, but they're quickly discovered by Green Goblin. So Chloe attempts to, like you had said earlier, land a kick on Green Goblin, but just spectacularly fails. I think he literally just like grabs her leg and throws her to the side. <laughs> just eats her right <laughs> off. 
yep, <laughs> not today, Chloe. <laughs> nope. And so uh, once again, Spider-Man swings in. Uh, this time he grabs her before she plummets to the ground. Last time it was it was Adi who did it. Um, she really she really needs to stop. You know, we give this advice to Spider-Man all the time for a different reason, but Chloe needs to stop just like running in and trying to kick people. <laughs> right? Come on. In this show, it's her. She needs that advice. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, you know, appropriately, Spider-Man is like, what did I tell you? Green Goblin, dangerous. Stop. Be careful. What are you doing? And uh, once he knows that they're safe, sort of like swings off to pursue Green Goblin. However, Green Goblin spews out a whole bunch of smoke and Spider-Man immediately loses sight and realizes sense of Green Goblin. Totally disappears. Yeah. Well, in the forest, Hulk and Makoto continue to talk. um, And Wasp reports that the bill has passed. So Hulk is like, yeah, it was my fault. It's all because of me. And Makoto is like, dude, no, don't say that. It's not your fault. Stop. (laughs) Um, Because if it's your fault, then it's also my fault because exactly we're all all connected. No, I can't have you fail because if I can't have you, you know, give up because if you give up, that means I have to give up. So Hulk tells them to just leave, leave him alone. He's like, I'm not going to leave. I'm going to stay here in Canada with my Disney, with my Disney animals by the lake, (laughs) by the pretty lake. Uh, Makoto sits down next to him, and that's when, in a very sweet little conversation, Makoto reminds Hulk of the memory he thought of earlier, which is that when Makoto lost control of his powers in an earlier episode, Hulk actually stayed with him until he healed, um, which is like I, – I really like that callback because in those episodes – because it's, like it's like a couple of episodes where Makoto is just like – is just not in the show because he's like in bed just sleeping off like the – the healing he had to do while he lost control and it's not it's yeah. kind of understated that hulk just never leaves his side the whole time while he's while he's uh while makoto is sleeping and healing yeah it kind of just in the moment feels like like a like a guard or a protector or something like yeah. it doesn't doesn't you don't really note it uh until this moment when you're like oh shit yeah, like, oh, that was actually very important and very sweet and mm-hmm. very impactful for Makoto uh, having, you know, being aware of that. So he's like, you know what? It's time for me to return the favor. I love this so much for a couple of reasons. One, I love the fact that Makoto, I mean, I don't love it for him because he's going through such a hard time. But writing wise and for the character, I love that Makoto sees it the way that you described it, which is like, Hulk, if if you consider this your fault, I have to consider what went like what I went through my fault. If you have to quit because of what happened to you, I have to quit because of what happened to me. You know what I mean? That's one thing I love about this. The other thing I love about it is the way that Makoto puts it is like you stayed with me until I healed. So now I need to do that for you, which I think is really cool because like Makoto was like physically healing from what happened to him. And he acknowledges that, like, Hulk needs to heal from what is going on. And he means it in a completely different way. And he means to support him in a completely different way. But still, as Hulk heals. Like, I just, it's so sweet. Like, it's such a good, I love it so much. I love this relationship between Hulk and Makoto. I don't know how much of it will, like, carry forward. I hope a lot because they built up to this. But I just think it's such a cool parallel. I love that it acknowledges that Hulk went through trauma with this like this is yeah. this is like a legit traumatic experience you know and i think that it's because this this isn't an uncommon story in comics right like not even just sure. with Hulk, but with many superheroes where it's just like well if you're powerful what if you cause damage and then you feel bad about it and and often and you know they, they can be handled poorly or really well but in this case i really like how it narrows into sort of like if you are that person who 
out of your control, you know, with, with, you know, no consent, no control, like no control over your own body. And, but, but your body was used to inflict harm on people. Like that is a really severe traumatic event that you went through, went mm-hmm. through that is going to require a lot of time to process and heal. And like, that's literally what all of this is about. It's like, it's not a, you know, there, there, you know, you have the, uh, the, the sort of outside world ramifications of it with the superhero registration or the superhero regulatory bill in New York happening with that side story. But then you also have this very centered character story that is just like, if you are that person, you went through some shit and you need friends by your side to support you in this time of crisis as you figure out how to heal from it and yeah. i love that i love that it's and so they add the layer of tony you know having <laughs> sort of betrayed him through all of it <laughs> like that's a good point yeah like that's really like doubling good. doubling yeah. that because it's sort of like he extra needs people in his life because he was yeah he probably feels very alone right now because someone he trusted betrayed him in a but it's in a way that like you know hulk can't not understand the logic of it and what Tony did to him like needed to be done in context. So that sort of conflict in your brain where it's, is just going to make, make you feel even more guilty about what you did even out of your, even when it was out of your control and make you feel more bad for yourself. Cause it's like, well, Yeah. yeah, I guess I am the bad guy. I guess everyone was right about me that I'm just, I am just a weapon. Like, and that's yeah. a terrible place to be in mentally right. and emotionally. And I love that the show acknowledges that and, and how important it is to, you know, try to find a way to heal from that. Yeah. Yeah. Hulk needs someone to like see him. And that's like Makoto is able to, the other future Avengers obviously like are with Makoto on this and like Wasp is with Makoto on this, but like, Makoto can see Hulk through everything that happened because he needs to believe that that's possible for himself and for Hulk at the same time. Like, yeah. it's just so good. It's so poetic. It's so, so, so good. <laughs> yeah. I, this is this and the, the Adi story that we referenced from earlier are such better sort of like kid and you know, like we, like I kind of compared the Avengers to like the monsters in, in Digimon or they would be Pokemon in Pokemon or whatever. Um, but like, it's a much better parallel than I think like disc wars did where it was like, you are weak. So you are paired with strong so that you can see you are also strong. Like this is so much more delicate, I think. And I think it makes it a lot sweeter. Um, then at least the things we watched, I haven't watched all of discourse. It could do things that are a lot more delicate than I'm giving it credit for, but the show is a lot more delicate than I expected when it comes to some of this stuff. And it's kind of weird, interestingly subtle about a lot of it too. Um, I mean, it's, it's still a kid's show, so it's still sort of spelled out, but it is one of those things where like the more you think about it, the, the, Mm -hmm. the deeper that it kind of gets, you know, you get the surface thing like, oh yeah, Hulk and Makoto have a connection, but then it's like the more you think about it, it's like, oh no, they really have a connection that has been very well threaded throughout the series. Like, and even if you haven't watched up to this point, I think you can still get it even just watching the single episode just because it's yeah very well, well explained and well written. Yeah. Good, 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 good stuff. Uh, very, very pleased. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, at Oscorp, the episode's actually almost over because it kind of to be continues into the next one. So at Oscorp, uh, Norman sits at his desk and he's refusing calls from his assistant because he's like, can you just let me like celebrate this victory? Like I just got my law passed. I just want to like be alone for a moment. And you're like, okay, that makes sense. And then out of the shadows, 
Green Goblin walks up from behind Norman. So Norman is sitting at the desk and Green Goblin walks up behind him. And I was like, what? That threw me off. (laughs) Yep. And then Green Goblin is like, hey, buddy, good work on that superhero regulatory bill. And I was like, oh, my goodness, this show. And then Green Goblin flips a switch and it turns out that Norman was a hologram. Hey, you know what? It, for that for that couple of seconds, I was like, are they doing a spectacular uh-huh. Spider-Man thing here? What's going on? <laughs> I was really surprised. Um, and then they like super confirm it because Goblin sits where Norman was sitting, pulls off his mask and reveals that he is Norman, which makes sense. And I'm very fine with. But yeah, for that moment, like you said, I was like, oh, whoa, look at yeah. you. But considering <laughs> that they're probably accounting for the fact that this could very well be many people's first either Marvel cartoon or potentially first exposure to the Green Goblin or second exposure to the Green Goblin. like. Yeah. Something a little bit more straightforward, I think, works. <laughs> sure. <laughs> With like a little nod in this very quick uh, misdirect yeah. for the fact that Green Goblin is, you know, a mystery uh, or was introduced as a mystery. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Definitely. And then we don't get anything else. That's that's where yeah. they leave us. There's, you know, Makoto and Hulk and Wasp are still in the forest. The The other, you know, we don't know what's up with the Hulkbuster or what Iron Man's up to. Uh, we don't know what the Chloe and and Audie are gonna do next. Like, really, really uh, ended the episode with, without tying things up, which is cool. I'm into it. <laughs> Four, yeah, baby. Uh, right. I this episode really flies by, honestly, and I think maybe because mm-hmm. the action sequence at the beginning is is really long. Like, not and not in a bad way or anything. It's just no. Like, it's it, compelling. A lot. It's a lot. There's just a, I think that takes up the majority of the episode, and then the rest of it, like, is a lot of short scenes bopping back and forth from one another. Um, which is cool. Like, I like it. I think it makes the episode just kind of breeze by in a, in a nice way, Mm -hmm. but yeah, it's good. It's good. So we'll get to the final thoughts real quick, but we got to do have a couple of faces of the episode to talk about. Oh yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, the first one, you know, most of our faces of the episode are like a frame or a moment that really highlight like a, a, a specific face someone's making or an emotion that they're portraying. In this case, for the first one, it's just Norman's face, like wholesale, just always his always yeah. face. It is just a <laughs> wild fucking design. He has the most cavernous under cheekbone, like dimple thing going on. Ugh, like, yeah, it is wild. And Chloe is not wrong. She said he's seriously creepy. I seriously agree. Uh, they nailed the sort of like uncomfortable, uh, smarmy businessman. Like anime villain vibe. He is so unsettling. His fingers are really long, too. Yep. He's got like real spidery fingers. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. This Norman. I kind of love this Norman design, though. It's good. Yeah. I mean. It's so unsettling. (laughs) If you want an unsettling, creepy businessman, congressman, Mm -hmm. whatever bad guy, he's he's it. (laughs) He's it. Yep. It is wild where they chose, like, how they chose to structure his face. Because if you think of, like, if you think of, like, Willem Dafoe, he has, like, really cavernous cheeks, right? And, like, like underneath his cheekbone. Right. Uh, on the sides of his face. This Norman has, like, caverns under his cheekbones on the front of his face, like, yeah. next to his nose. It's really wild. Just really, it really is. bazonkers. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, the other frame I chose isn't it isn't a face of the episode. It's just a moment of zen and it's just Hulk in nature with his in his in his Disney princess moment and it's beautiful. Yeah, I love it. It's wonderful. 
couple of chipmunks, some birds, some deer. Beautiful. Or squirrels? Those uh, have I to be squirrels. Chi- chi- those, I think they're chipmunks. Or, they well, look more no. like chipmunks. They're chipmunks, but their tails, I think, are longer than chipmunks' tails are. So yeah. they're like a fusion of chipmunks and squirrels, I guess. I'm here for it. Very Avatar The Last Airbender. Yeah. The birds sitting on his shoulders are the uh, are just just the best. They're just really the, the feature. They really are. That and those yeah. traps. Oh, my God. Right? Right? <laughs> <laughs> those traps. Uh, boy, this is a fun show. I, I like the show a lot more than I thought I would, binging it. And and kind of like you said, I, I also like kind of was half watching some of some of it up until we got to our episode. And even with that, everything that I soaked in was like, okay, I appreciate some of the some of the grayer areas that it digs into and some of the like some more subtle character work that it does. Like it really is uh, surprised me by how nuanced it, it gets at certain points, especially this episode. Yeah, it was, it was kind of a slower sell for me to be quite honest, but once sure. we got to the moments where they were drawing those parallels between the future Avengers and the current Avengers, that's where I was like, Oh, okay. I see what you're offering here. Cause I still think like, There are moments where I'm like, I feel like the Avengers are sidelined for this episode or sometimes the future Avengers feel sidelined and it's like a little weird. So at first I was like, I'm not really sure like what the benefit is here to having like the young up and coming like anime kids and then like the sort of like established seasoned like Marvel characters. Um, But it really shines in those moments and when it's telling longer term stories and it doesn't feel like it has to focus as much on featuring the universe, that's when I'm really, really invested in this show. Yeah, 100%. So very surprised in a great way. Yeah, me too. And I think that the way that they make the connections between the future Avengers with the regular Avengers, I think is a smart way to make the kids not feel like as shoehorned in or superfluous as I think the danger always is. And probably it, it just inevitably is in Marvel Disc Wars just because of what, that show is mm-hmm. but like i think you kind of get like oh okay i sort of see the value of those young whippersnappers in this show like you know because they're, yeah. they're reflecting they're like reflecting stories of the core avengers rather than the core avengers just like helping the kids with their character developments like it's a more symbiotic relationship between the two like they both sort of mutually go through character development by in this one or in I think in 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 many of in, in in the good episodes, I think in this show, gotcha. It's because it's like I think that there's development as we learn more about the Avengers at the same time as there is for the kids, and it's sort of feeding into each other because of that. Like with Hulk and Makoto in this, I think yeah. I, well, I, when this show is at its best, I think it is more yeah. cohesive. I do think Disc Wars, from what I've seen so far, and there's a reason for this that I'll explain. But I do think that Disc Wars more quickly felt cohesive to me as a a concept and a show, but I think it's because it's a toy based show and that made it really easy to sort of be like, Oh, okay. Now that I understand what's going on, I can see how you're going to tie everything in here. Right. Mm -hmm. This show doesn't have that advantage. And so, uh, it took, I think a little longer for me to understand, like, why do we, like, why is this going on? But the higher, the highs are so much higher. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. definitely. So yeah. Yeah. The moments that are really good are like, so poetically interwoven in a way that I will be surprised if Marvel Discourse gets when I finally get around to watching the rest of it. <laughs> yeah, same, same here. I need to watch the rest of it too. Because I we'll do want to watch that. I miss that show. Like it is so weird and wacky and fun. Yeah. Um, and I'm glad that these two have very distinct vibes from each other because I like them for very different reasons. 
100 percent yeah 100 this episode i'm really glad that this is the episode we get to start this show with because this really highlights what the show has done incredibly well so far so very pleased love this episode can't wait to find out what happens next i know you know i have no Mm. idea (laughs) yeah yeah it's gonna be exciting Well, if you want more exciting things, you can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash wallthingwebsnappers. All kinds of stuff over there um, at all sorts of different tiers. So check it out. See what is for you. Um, In the meantime, if you want more from Derek or from me, you can find us all over the place online. Derek, where can people find you and the things you are working on? Sure. You can find me on Twitter at Derek B. Gale. You can also find me on YouTube under my video essay series, Second Chance, which looks at bad or divisive media, but from a positive lens. What about you, Doug? You can find me on Twitter at Ikibuli, I-C-K-Y-B-O-O-L-E-Y. You can find me on another podcast here on the 4 Radio Network called Victory Road, a Pokemon podcast where my co-host Kyle and I talk about Pokemon just as we feel like it. I recently started a monotype run, and if you play Pokemon games, you might know what that means. It's very bizarre, and I'm talking all about it on the podcast. If you like books and video games, you should also check me out on a podcast called Novel Gaming, where my friends Katie and Vicky and I talk about all the media. Media we've been consuming lately. If you would like more uh, podcasting from Derek and me, you can check out our monthly podcast called Falling with Style. It's an ongoing Pixar movie marathon where we watch every Pixar film chronologically. Our episode on Up is out now wherever you get your podcasts. Please visit our website at wallopingwebsnappers.com. Everything Derek and I are doing together is over there, archived very beautifully, easy to navigate. Check it out. Um, you can even listen to the episodes right there if you'd like to. Um, and you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook at Walloping Web Pod or email us at Walloping Web Snappers Podcast at gmail.com. As always, please rate, review, and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Those ratings help people find us uh, more easily. And if you like what we're doing, somebody else will too. Next week. Spider-Man and the Future Avengers get further tangled up in Green Goblin's plot in the episode Spider-Man to the Rescue. He's already rescued plenty of people at this point, but I guess he's going to keep doing it. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) See you then. See ya. Yeah.